The following podcast is brought to you on behalf of the Saracen Supporters Association and is not an official product of Saracens Limited. Content provided voluntarily by our guests and contributors are of their own opinion, which may change over time and should not be taken as fact, particularly as the podcast hosts are regularly talking drivel anyway. If you've got some drivel of your own you'd like to share, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at fezcast underscore SSA. You can search Facebook for the Fezcast or you can email fezcast.ssa at outlook.com. You're listening to the Fezcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fezcast. I think we're up to episode nine now. This is getting to be a bit like Sons of Anarchy or something. You know, how many, uh, and you got uh, Walking Dead, you got to stay to the end and uh, whatever. But uh, yeah, joining me um, on this episode is Joe and John. Uh, Matt's having a break, although he's done an interview with Innes Marie and Monique. Um, of the Saracens Mavericks, which we're going to play in the middle of it. But, Joe, John, how are we, folks? Are we all good? Yeah, we're all good, thank you. The three J's this week, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And yourself, John? Yeah, perfect, mate. It's, uh, it was a good weekend and I'm looking forward to, to reliving it. Oh, excellent. Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Joe, you were at the um, the game at the Stone X for the, uh, for the women's against Loughborough Lightning, which we will deal with in our final part of tonight, along with the Women's World Cup performance against South Africa. I take it we all watched the Chiefs game on the telly? I saw the second half. Oh, well, of course, because, because in a in a brilliant piece of um, of scheduling, the women's game was on at the same time as the men's game. I mean, no conjoined thinking there whatsoever, is there? Uh, it wasn't ideal scheduling, no. But uh, to be fair to, to Saris, they did put uh, the second half of the game up on the Olympic bar at the stadium. So uh, a few people stayed behind to watch that. And of course, you've got to see the most important part of the game, which is um, absolutely brilliant. And yourself, John, you watched it all on the telly, I assume? I didn't. I, I, <laughs> with with our previous record at Sandy Park, I, I'll be honest, I, I really thought that we would be potentially 5-1 and one after the weekend. So Charlie and I went on a stadium tour around Twickenham with, uh, with my brother, and it weren't until it was on the way back, got off, got off the Victoria line to see... Uh, what, what had unfolded at Sandy Park and we were stood outside the toilets where I had a good signal spot waiting for the result of the penalty kick at the end. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, we'll talk We'll talk a little bit about that um, and other things. Obviously, the, the ongoing side with Wasps and Worcester and clubs going out of business and whatever, and we'll have a quick discussion about that. You'll notice I've had a quite a sharp haircut, but for those of you obviously listening in, you won't know this, but I've had a sharp haircut and I can explain why, because... Uh, I mean, you know, John, you don't get a lot of option in this, do you, really? I mean, that's just your, it's just the way you've got to go. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm I'm back in training for marathons and everything. I've got a little uh, thing going on uh, for my neuro at the end of November to link in with Kevin Sinfield 7-7, which I will talk about in a future episode of the, the Festcast. But I was on the treadmill and my hair was getting a bit long and it was flapping about. And I was thinking, really, I need to tie it back or something. And then I saw Stuart Hogg on the weekend, and I'd realised what a dick he looks like, and I thought, sod it. So, out come the Clippers, Shazza, number one all over, thank you very much. And yeah, he did look a bit of a dick, didn't he? But look, let's have a word from one of our advertisers, and then we'll come back and discuss Exeter Chiefs um, at Sandy Park. <laughs> Listening to the Fezcast, which is proudly sponsored by the Saracen Supporters Association, and I'm Alison Davis, one of the SSA committee. For a £10 annual subscription, the SSA provides our members with monthly newsletters, virtual and in-person player events, away match ticket allocations, and we organise pre-match gatherings at away matches. We sponsor men's and women's players, and we support the Saracens Foundation Track Club on behalf of our members. On top of all that. Every year we have a seasonal SSA badge, which is exclusive to members. Where else can you get that much value for a tenner? Join now at membermojo.co.uk forward slash SSA or come and see us on match day in the Oasis at the Stonex. This is the Fezcast. Well, here we are. Let's have a chat about the big game on the weekend down at Sandy Park. Um, 
we went down there, as you said, John, in our preamble. If we'd lost that game, it was one of them that you would have thought, yeah, well, you know, such is life. But, yeah, it's always good to go down to Chiefs. And actually, I'm going to put an idea out there. Hopefully someone from South is thinking this. You know, and it, it, we've got to be careful here because you can't go too arrogant. We can't go all Tony Rowe. But when we play Chiefs at Stonex, can somebody, for the end of the game, if we win, have come on Eileen by... Dex's Midnight Runners rolled up, ready to go. So if we win, we can do it. And then we get to that point right at the start. Poor old Tony Rowe. It fits. <laughs> Poor old Johnny Ray. But I'm oh, sorry, my singing's awful, I know. But it fits. And imagine that. 15,000 of us singing poor old Tony Rowe. Was it, wasn't that, though, the most... Is there a more arrogant bloke in rugby than Tony Rowe? Sat there on the bench as if he was ready to come on himself and play giving it the old Billy Big Balls and then just to watch Alex Goode on 338 appearances, slot it over without a care in the world. I mean, that just made my day on Saturday. I, I, what about you guys? I, I thought it was brilliant. First first kick he's done all season, I think, and uh, slotted it right between the posts and it was just like, well, there you go. And, uh, <laughs> you know, from, from what we saw on the TV, I mean, it was... Uh, it was a big cheer at uh, the Stonex, I can tell you. You probably could hear it at uh, uh, down at Sandy Park, but uh, it was it was an absolute belter. Um, you know, it's lo- it's lovely just watching the uh, the smug look drain from somebody's face when when they're thinking that they're they're home and dry. And um, it's a shame that some of the guys have uh, uh, got niggles. It's been put on social media this week, uh, isn't it, today, around some of the guys dropping out of the uh, autumn uh, training camp in Jersey. But uh, uh, as for the result, absolute blinder. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I'm not sure whether it's a game that Saracens won as much as Exeter Chiefs lost. You know, and I mean, it was a typical... Backs to the wall, wolf pack, Saracens kind of performance. But Chiefs had more than enough opportunities to be far enough ahead. You know, and that was our big concern. Where we've seen games where, like against Quinns, where we went down 17 points or whatever and to come back, doing that against Chiefs. And Chiefs really should have been far ahead of us. Faz in the in the sin bin, Maku in the sin bin, and we we do need to have a quick word about Faz as well on 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 that. But yeah, no Chiefs at half time should have been out of sight. I think. Don't you agree, John? Yeah, I mean when when you consider the possession and the territory, <clears throat> and and the opportunities that although they didn't make any, for having got back home and then watched the whole game in form, it's di- it obviously it's different when you know the result. But there was times when I was watching it and I'm going, yeah, I'm not sure how they haven't made more of this. But when, but when you see, <clears throat> really, apart from the scoreboard, the key stat was that scrum penalties, 7-0. Seven, seven and you, you see how, how dominant we were. And to be fair, you mentioned Mako there. I know he was off the pitch for 10 minutes. But to, to be there right at the end and to front up like he did, and the rest of the pack, not just Mako, but uh, such an unbelievable performance. And sometimes when you... See the tackle stats at half time, and we've made four times as many tackles. Normally, you think you're not going to keep this up for 80 minutes, but the boys did, and proud of every single one of them. And it was just a yeah, it was a lovely, lovely result. And uh, we fair to say we all enjoyed our Saturday night, especially in, in my house. We did anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned the, the scrum penalties and everything, and uh, um, Foley, the, the the referee, has been getting a bit of grief from the um, from the southwest about his referee and saying, you know, typically biased, you know, the Chiefs got one. No, quite simply, they brought on the lad at um, tight heads and Mako tied him up in knots. And Mako's not the best scrummaging prop in the world. He does a good job, but he's more renowned for his work in the loose. Well, James Flynn came on and, and did a brilliant job as well. But the lad just couldn't, couldn't scrummage. He got his feet in the wrong place. He got his weight all distribution all wrong. And they put him on toast and he did nothing about it and fully deserving, you know. And at that last scrum, you could see the commitment was there. They knew exactly what they wanted to do. And considering at that point you had James Flynn, Theo Dan and Eric, Alec Clary on as your front row, which, you know, you're not going to look at saying he's your first choice front row 
with no disrespect to those three guys, because they are going to be used quite a lot over the next few weeks in the autumn internationals and everything. But they, you know, just said, we're going to go straight, we're going to go up, and we're going to get that penalty. And they did a wonderful job on, and did a job on, on Chiefs. As I say, I only caught the second half, and I haven't, I, I haven't had a chance to catch up on, on, on the rest of it. But um, certainly the bits that, that we caught... Um, they they were dominant, but but you're right. From from hearing um, bits and pieces from that first half, I'm I'm surprised that that Exeter didn't um, have Saracens done and dusted by halftime. Um, and it, it sounds like that, that they've just not managed to convert, and, and Saracens have put in a, a great defensive shift as well. So, you know, those, those two things have resulted in, in a really good uh, result for. Um, the the guys over the weekend. Well, yeah, I think the the penalty and the defence side of things is really important to note there. Um, mainly because I think throughout the game, Saracens gave away six penalties, one of which was a reversal of Owen, or where he got a bit of a strop on with Harry Williams. And I completely understand why he did. Shouldn't have done it. We'll say that straight off. Should not have done it. However, the way that Exeter Chiefs go into rucks. Um, you know, they should have been penalised off the pitch of the way. And I and I say it every time I see Chiefs against whoever, the way they go into rucks is dangerous. And they're and they're coached to do it. Uh, they're off their feet, they're past the ball. I mean, there was one ruck towards the end of the game from where from what Chiefs scored a try off of as well. The the Vermoulin try, Ollie Woodburn was it when he, he was in a, he was in Cornwall when he finished the contacts, you know, and, and they let them get away with that. The only other penalties was Mac, who I thought was a bit unlucky for his yellow card, because actually I think he, he came from behind the back foot and he didn't shift his binding. And a different ref, a different day, may not have given that. He's obviously, Tom Fire, he's on the pitch, he's nearer to it than I was, and he's obviously seen something I haven't. The other one was a bit of a petulant trip from, from Faz on Jack the whole lot. I mean, yeah, Faz, bang your head in shame on that one, mate, you know, and I'm sure he will do. I'm sure he'll be looking back now and saying that was a bit of a dick move to do. Um, although, you know, you look at the, the, the social media and everybody saying it was buggery. No, it wasn't. It was just childish. And, you know, it wasn't like he turned around and give him a whack. He just tripped him up. But, yeah, you know, but other than that, the discipline... The offside line was held. The speed from that into defence without breaking the offside line was exemplary, which Chiefs couldn't achieve, hence why they were pinged, you know. And then when you've got the win behind you and you've got Elliot Daly with a left boot that's like a howitzer, well, you know, you're asking for trouble, aren't you? And, I mean, that was big, that that kick. Yeah, it was. It was... And <clears throat> when, you, when you look back at... The, the moments in which the game, during the game in which these moments happen, sorry, is there's there's so many times during the game where, all right, you give the credit to Alex Gould and Elliot Daly and Farrell for, for clearing the crossbar, but when you look back and there's so many little intricacies and, and little smart moves, which must, it must annoy the opposition. There was one um, for, I think it was the second kick that Daly took. No, it was the first one in the first half. Ivan Van Zell rolled he rolled really one too many times and trapped the, the, the Chiefs player on the wrong side and we got a penalty for that. Now, if he weren't as switched on, it might not have happened and then three points could be would have made all the difference in the end. But the, the this is this is see, this is the thing that you people underestimate. Well, I don't know if they underestimate, but the one thing I love about Saracens is under the cosh, you've got that. Oh, a bit of petulance, like you said, but for the majority, there's a coolness there. That's always you always feel like, don't worry, we're in control. There, there's so much trust that the guys have got in 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 the coaching staff and in each other. And you, I always believe in situations like that. Even though I was following it basically on Twitter on the train in between getting signal and not, always always was confident we was going to win because the amount of times we've done stuff like that. It's not a coincidence, is it? And it's just, it's just the amount of pictures I've seen of Tony Rowe and of Rob Baxter, and they put Ali Heffer up instead. Even so, you have people like it's usually Kelly Brown, like during the game. But Mark McCall will always front up, even after the Premiership final. I'm sure he didn't want to be anywhere near a TV camera, but he had he had the the testicular fortitude to do it, and it shows the mark of the man and. 
he's part of the reason why I really do not like Exeter Chiefs and was extra happy that we won because Absolutely. of <laughs> well, I tell you, I tell you, wasn't extra happy that we won, and I don't know whether you picked this up in the second half on the telly at Stonex, Joe, but Brian O'Driscoll. And Ben Kay most certainly were not happy. And I think I tweeted at the time, and we won't do too much on this, but I tweeted, Bod, for as great a player as he was, he is the exact reverse as a pundit. God, he's awful. I mean, he made me wish for Austin Ely and uh, and Lawrence Delanio at one point or the other. I mean, he was just absolutely clueless I thought <laughs> that's interesting to note actually because uh um it, it it does make me laugh some of some of the commentary that that's it, and punditry that seems to seems to come across and uh Saris are always going to be um the antithesis for for most people for some bizarre reason I don't know what it is it, uh, unless you're a supporter of the club uh it seems to be the direct opposite um, that there's no kind of middle ground. It's like Marmite, isn't it? And I find that a little bit odd and a little bit frustrating. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, but, uh, the, the, you know, the supporters of the team and the club as a whole um, will always uh, prevail and, and see the, the guys, the girls, the Mavs, all through. So, Absolutely. I just don't understand why, when it's Saracens playing, why you don't get, like, a Jim Hamilton in who's got a Saracens you know, background to give that Saracen side almost. And so Ben Kay played Saracens 15 times in his career and he won 12 times. Ben Kay's always all right with us. Austin Healy played for Leicester. Brian O'Driscoll played for Leinster, as we know. We've beaten both of those sides in major finals. And I, 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 I'm telling you, that's what it is. I guarantee you. Well, maybe it is. But we need to move on and have a quick word about a couple of... Um, results over the weekend and then have a quick look forward to Sale Sharks. First of all, Sale, you know, could have gone 100% the same as us, six from six. Surprisingly got beaten by a bit of a Marcus Smith masterclass, really, which is, you know, Marcus Smith's uh, um, bet noir, isn't it? That it'll be brilliant for one game and then, you know, it'll be average in, in three games. Bit of a Cipriani's about him there sort of thing. But yeah, a bit of a surprise result with us playing them next week. Um, also, Bath getting their first win in 154 days, during which time we've had two monarchs, two prime ministers and three chances of the exchequer. So it <laughs> gives, gives you an idea of that, which is a fabulous um, factoid there from Barry, uh, brilliant stuff from Barry. But yeah, um, it's going to be interesting next week against Sale Sharks, because Sale haven't lost too many players to Autumn Internationals. We've lost virtually an entire first team. But they're coming off of a off of a defeat now and coming to the Stonex. I mean, we're going to be putting out a team that is Sean of Macavilla Jamie George, KP, um Mara Toji, Hugh Tizard, Theo McFarland. Um, Billy Vanapola, Owen Farrell would have been away, but it's now through injury. Max Malins, that's an awful lot of names missing. We're going to be relying on a few members of the Dad's Army. I mean, Alex Good, I imagine, is going to be playing at 10. Jackson Ray is going to be back in quite potentially at eight, um, you know, and then. The youngsters as well. Callum Hunter-Hill has stepped up this season, done well. He's obviously going to be coming in that second row, I think, and did well when he came on as well. Uh, but Theo Dan played brilliantly when he came on, but there's going to be a few kids out there as well, isn't there? So are we worried about the weekend? I mean, normally, if you've gone six from six and beaten Exeter away from home, you're sat there thinking, it's like a, it's like when you see the snooker, isn't it, and someone potted six reds and six blacks, you suddenly start thinking... Well, hang on a second, something special coming here. But then we kibosh it by having so many players away on international duty. Well, I think it's only the England players and Andy Christie that are actually unavailable this weekend, I think. So that would make it our, t- our team a bit stronger. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're... <clears throat> this is this, <laughs> the, the ongoing problem with rugby union shooting itself in the foot, isn't it? We want a competitive league and then we take the best players out for... Not that England players are even going to be playing at the weekend, but yeah. You've still got to be confident because that confidence runs throughout the entire squad and there's it will give opportunity for younger players to come in like Theo Dan, who, as you say, come on and done really well. You, I'm always confident at home anyway. 
if you if you lose nine home league games in eleven seasons or whatever it is so far, you've got to be confident. But Sale are a good side; they're well managed by Big Al. So yeah, it'll be a tough one, but I'm 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 hopeful. Yeah, well, and yourself, Joe, what do you think? Well, I reckon it'll be tight. Um, I still I still bet on the boys though, as always. Um, I I think they'll come through. They've got clearly a lot of confidence from the from the game at the weekend. Just gone. Um, and I think that all all carry them through, um, and and I would hope to see, uh, as you say, some of those young players coming through, making an impression, uh, and taking their opportunities. So hoping for a good competitive game, but I think the Saudis all will come through. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope it's a really good game this weekend. Just before we move on, just wanted a quick um, word um, about the amateur side of things. And last week. We heard that uh, Vicky Fleetwood had uh, broke a leg and dislocated her ankle. Unfortunately, uh, Ben Branfield of Saracens Amateurs has done exactly the same injury. And uh, we know that is an horrific injury. So best wishes from us on the first cast of Ben and uh, Saracens Amateurs on that one and hope that his recovery is uh, swift and not too uh, troublesome for him, bearing in mind how serious the injury is. Anyway, let's have a word from another one of our advertisers and then we'll be back with um, Matt's chat with um, Monique and Ines Marie of um, Saracens Mavericks about the forthcoming netball season. Hi guys, I'm Alex Leanton and I'm a proud Loose Heads Ambassador. I'm Sydney Gregson and I'm a Loose Heads Ambassador. We're a rugby mental health charity working to tackle the stigma. You can find us at Loose Heads on all social media channels or at looseheads.co.uk. The Loose Heads mission is to place a mental health lead at every rugby club. Get in touch now to find out more. Take care and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Enjoy the rest of the pod. Okay, so uh, our guests on the show for this week, I've got two Mavericks players with us, uh, Ina Marie Venter and Monique Mayer, who, uh, well, Ina Marie has joined us twice on the show already and has somehow agreed to come back for a third time. We've not put her off just yet. And Monique, uh, <laughs> a new player to the Mavericks uh, for the 2023 season. So uh, good to have you both on. Thank you very much for joining me. No, it's great. Third time, always a charm. <laughs> <laughs> See if you're still saying that by the time we finish. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll uh, I'll start with Monique, if you don't mind. Um, obviously, as a as a new member to the team, what we normally do with, a, with someone that we're speak, speaking to for the first time, we get a quick quick history of um of your either your rugby or netball career depending on what guests we've we've got on and just let us know what brought you to the Mavericks in the first place I mean I must admit I've I've had a little uh, little google because as most people know on this show I am probably one of the worst people you could talk to about about netball but I've been trying for three years now to uh, to learn what's going on so everything I know about you is from google and Thankfully for you, there isn't an awful lot out there other than the fact that you played for one of the best named teams I've ever heard in my life, the Golden Fireballs. That yeah. just sounds amazing <laughs> to me. But what's your history in, in netball and what led you to the Mavericks? Yeah, well, this is, I, I think I have to start with this. This is my third time trying to come overseas playing over. I think it, it's been uh, a long time coming and I'm just glad that the third time I actually ended up where I wanted to be. Um, so, yeah, I'm very quite excited to be part of the team and everything. And, yeah, so like, you know, I've played for the Golden Fireballs. Um, I'm also a sport retire netball player. So it's the national side of South Africa. Um, so yeah, um, I've played for a few varsity. I played varsity games, and then I played um, just our netball, uh, Talcum Netball League that we played, where I played for Fireballs, and then I played for. Um, I also played for the Northwest Flames as well at a stage. Um, so yeah, that's just me actually. <laughs> Quite boring actually, <laughs> but now that I am myself, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm just me, nothing more. That's fair enough, and there's no such thing as boring on this show because I do it, and 
everyone that hosts the show with me will tell you I'm the most boring person here, so don't worry about that. <laughs> anyway, third time here, third season with the Mavericks. What what led you to sign on for another year? Uh, well, the main reason will probably be because um, next year is a World Cup year, so it would just be silly to move clubs in a World Cup year. Um, I've built a good foundation here and I've built a good connection with the players in the team and also I have a really good relationship with Saracens. So, yeah, it wasn't a difficult decision since my plan was to stay a third season. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. It's a new, totally new environment, a new coaching, new club set up, a lot of new players. So hopefully it will create a new um, result at the end of the season. No, that's fair. I mean, yeah, obviously there's been a lot of uh, been a lot of changes in the squad and in the coaching team this season. But so the two of you are um, are here on a on a pretty brief stay, I guess, from uh, <coughs> flying over from uh, from South Africa from training, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Just a quick short hello and then a quick bye. <laughs> that's fair enough. So uh, how, I know it's obviously quite brief, but how are you? Uh, how are you finding the first few days with uh, with this new squad? Yeah, well, I think for me, um, it has been here for quite some time. So for me, I think it was very important to come now um, before the season starts next year um, to just settle in a little bit, um, getting to know everyone, getting to know what they, what especially coach um, Kamala wants, and. Yeah, just to meet the players because I think also combination-wise it's going to be um, because there's so many new players. Um, I think combinations will really play a big role and that's why I think it's important to also come now for for a bit, um, a, literally like just a few like a few days. Um, so, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Um, yeah, I'm glad that I could be part of this. Um, still so much more to learn. I think I'm very excited to, to learn a little bit more of the England style of netball. I've been so used to um, us back at home. It's always been the same. And now we just, I mean, to get better, you need to be with the best. So hopefully that's um, going to be my experience here. Yeah. It's quite interesting, actually, because I'm, I'm racking my brains a little bit, but I think you've pretty much said exactly the same that Ina did when we interviewed her two years ago when she first first turned up. So it sounds like you've been talking <laughs> to each other quite well. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming, given the, given the fact that you're, you're both sitting in your kitchen together waiting for chicken to cook, that you do know each other quite well before, uh, before turning up, obviously being in the same international squad together. Yeah, I think obviously we've known about each other. We've roomed together a few times, but I think we don't really know each other that well. So this will be also actually a great um, learning curve for us, getting to know each other off the court as well. Um, because I think we pretty know much, because we used to play against each other, so we pretty know much know the player side of each other. But personal-wise, will, we'll learn about each other and yeah, get to know each other a little bit better. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Both... Oh, sounds like enemies enemies becoming friends here. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. It's not personal, <laughs> it's just business. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair enough. I mean, you know, the, the next question I want to ask really was, was to, you know, you know you've, uh, you've now come into a, a slightly different uh, coaching staff at the Mavericks, obviously with Kat moving on and, and Camilla moving uh moving up in the ranks a little bit. Have you noticed any sort of similarities between how things are running, given that the coaching team is, is still fairly similar, or is it quite different to, to the last couple of years? Um, well, we've only had two sessions back. <laughs> so, and some of the players are still occupied with school responsibilities, like their teaching jobs and stuff. So we haven't had a full full squad back yet since being back. Um, but, yeah, um, obviously I think the main difference is um, – Cam's most like one of her focuses is to make our team more professional, and I think by the fact that Saracen's taking everything on board, we have a full-time physio now at court, um, full-time SNC, which we've never had before. Um, so I think that's really incredible, and especially us coming in from Protea um, duty, we have a big program to follow, and we have a big season or big tournaments coming up. So for that to be able to do with somebody watching you and somebody observing and helping you 
is a big difference from the previous two seasons. So, um, but we'll see how the coaching goes because obviously we've only had two sessions and we haven't had actually a full session since we've come from playing. So they've been managing us a bit and being in off season as well. So we'll think we'll know by the end of the week how things have changed <laughs> since last season. Oh, maybe we'll have to find out the next time we bring you on. We'll come on for a fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> I should get a VIP treatment now, oh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to say as well, you know, you've got a full-time S&C person now. Hopefully they don't find out about your food page on Instagram because that's clearly against the Well, of, uh... mm, we train hard enough, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually talking about it. I've shown him one of my first posts was Randy's Bing Ball in Stratford. And it's like the food is just amazing. And we were talking about it because Rose was like, she needs to go back to this place. And he was like, what are you talking about? So I showed him the pictures so he knows <laughs> about my food thing, you know. <laughs> I think that's fair enough. You do work hard enough. As I've said before on the show when we've, yeah. when we've talked netball, I watch watch a match and I'm sweating just watching it. It's far too fast-paced and ridiculous for me. Yeah. Especially for yourself, Monique. In uh, in defence, that's um, you know, I think that's when when we spoke about it before. I think certainly wing defence is probably the position I'd like to play the least, just just because of the yes. amount of effort involved. Yeah, yeah, you do all the dirty work, and the others get all the recognition for it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> no. See, I, I I'm learning. I am learning. I'm learning what position yeah. I don't want to play. <laughs> Yeah, in the first in our first interview, I had to make it clear that it's not a pitch; it's a court. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they keep saying, "Oh, how does it feel to run off, the, run on the pitch?" And I'm like, "It's not a pitch; it's an apple court." <laughs> we've um, we've definitely come a long way, and thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I'll definitely. be hearing about that again for a year. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, look, we uh, we should talk about the World Cup. Um, for anyone listening that, that doesn't know, the uh, the Netball World Cup being held next year in South Africa. So uh, even more pressure on uh, on these two potentially for uh, for a big World Cup. So you, you played at the uh, at the last World Cup. And Monique, I believe you're aiming for, for a first World Cup appearance. Um, have you got yeah. uh, expectations, the two of you, for how, uh, how you'd like it to go? Or not looking that far ahead just yet? Well, it will actually be my first World Cup as well. I tore my first calf, my first calf injury nine days before the start of World Cup. So I was in the team, but I missed out. So actually, the sun will also be my first World Cup. Okay. So it will be, it will be really exciting. I think everybody is really looking forward. I know everybody always talks about going to South Africa or visiting South Africa. So I think this is a great opportunity for South Africa, and not just that for us as players. Um, I mean, we're in a host country. We have all the support, I think, imaginable. So after our Commonwealth Games, we really are looking forward to just um, really um, pushing our performance and we really want to do well in front of a home crowd. Yeah. So, yeah, the pressure is on, but I think everybody's ready and geared up to take it on. Yeah, and I also think that, like, who you don't go to a World Cup not wanting that gold medal. So, mm. I mean... Pressure is on, but also we have really put in the hard yards towards it. So I know that Commonwealth is not really a reflection on uh, what we are all capable of as a country. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a lot, the last World Cup was a, a, a milestone for us. And also um, it's also the bar has been set. So we can't do worse than that. We have to really push hard and really to just perform better and to do better, especially in front of a home crowd, um, always coming abroad and then playing in, against players and then against the crowd as well. That's not always on your side. Um, I think that will be a big difference as well for us, having that big crowd, not only next to the court, but on our side. I think that would be, that's going to be exciting. Mm. Definitely. No, that's quite right. I mean, yeah, a home tournament for anyone is is always going to be something something pretty special. I did um, read as well that uh, Supersport are broadcasting it with a with an all women production crew as well, and you know, it, it, wow. always a, a big opportunity, obviously, for women's sport in general that is just yeah. exponentially growing as well. So it it does look uh, 
like it's going to be a fantastic tournament really hopefully an opportunity just to put both netball and women's sport even further into the into the public yeah, eye, I guess but in in general like the, the media coverage in South Africa of netball obviously I know very little about it if anything at all is it is it particularly well covered normally in uh, back in South Africa or yeah I think it is like I think Varsity Cup was well covered I think the like the league back at home some of the most of the games are covered but we so how the super sport works is there's like almost 20 super sport channels by now but we're like on the back ends like the last few channels of so we've been pushing because you get like a super sport rugby channel and there's like five football channels and there's a cricket channel but we don't have our own netball channel and i know that's something the president of netball south africa has been really pushing towards so that we get more exposure um as a women's sport and also as netball um, so yeah, I think the World Cup will 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 set a standard, and hopefully, the same standard remains for coming tournaments, coming um, exposure for netball. Um, yeah, and also the closer we get to the World Cup, the more interesting it gets, and the more uh, coverage we do have. Mm. So yeah, hopefully, it doesn't just only build up to uh, World Cup and then fades away afterwards. Um, hopefully, this is the start of something new. Yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully, there's people back home as well that are follow, following your progress while you're over here too. But uh, yeah, to, to see. yeah, you know, obviously, the, the fact that uh, Monique, you've you've moved over to uh, to the Netball Super League the season before a World Cup, obviously, you see that as as an opportunity to uh, to play your way into that World Cup side. I guess you know the standard better. I guess maybe. Yeah, um, I think the uh, when you train with intensity, it's always at a training camp. Um, when we in a sport pretty, and uh, other than that, the intensity is not always that high. Competition is not always um, where we want it to be, to be ready to compete in a World Cup. So I think coming here, that will definitely lift the standard of my play as well. Um, and yeah, I think, like Ina said, I think it's the best thing to do to play abroad before World Cup. Um, because, yeah, you play against players that you might just find in another national side that you're going to play against. So now you, you're starting to get to know them, what they like, what's their play like, uh, what do they like, what don't they like. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's I'm so grateful to get the opportunity, the, especially the year before um, World Cup. So, yeah, I'm excited. And just remember all those fitness drills are worth it as well for, yeah. <laughs> Makes all the difference. Yeah. I mean, we've seen certainly um, women's rugby where there's different levels of professionalism. Just, you know, you can have exactly the same skill level as everyone else around the world, but that just extra 10% in fitness just seems to make all mm. the difference. And I'm assuming exactly the same yeah. in netball, really. So, yeah. yeah, just remember that when the sweat's pouring off of you, you don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, this, is, this is going out just as audio, but, you know, I can see the look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about today's session like every time I come to the UK and it's probably because the humidity is so much higher than what we have back at home in Pretoria is today in, we just the gym and I was like glowing from the sweat and I'm like my shirt was like completely wet and I was like so that's not even a fitness session so even yesterday I had to do off feet conditioning in the bike and I was like it was just so hot and I was just so sweaty. So that's not even full preseason and I'm already <laughs> sweating away. Now is is that better or worse than your preseason of a couple of years ago starting with COVID twice and Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was I spent yeah. more time in isolation back then than in preseason. I I won't make you relive all of that. <laughs> Oh, I, that year alone, I've spent over forty days in isolation. It was—it's crazy. I can't believe that's two years ago. No. Not even. Oh, no one—no no wonder you chose to talk to us. <laughs> Something to do. Yeah, actually, I think I interviewed you in just after isolation, and we were talking because it was me and Camila, and we were talking about yeah, hopefully I don't go back into isolation. Literally that next day. One of our players tested positive, and we went back into isolation. I was like, "We jinxed ourselves." Yeah. I'm pretty sure we jinxed ourselves. <laughs> Not good. Well, fingers crossed. None yeah. of that. None of that for this year. No, <laughs> nothing of that. But yeah, 
looking at so the uh, netball super league fixtures um announced pretty recently obviously there's there's a little bit bit of upheaval going on with uh, with the wasp side but we're not going to talk about that because we don't know anything about what's going on there but there are yeah. plenty of fixtures out is there anything in particular you're looking forward to next year out of those those fixtures or I'm just excited to see what the team does. Like, obviously, we want to be in that top four, and we've been saying this. Well, I've been here for two seasons now, and they've been saying it for five seasons. So I think that's really something a lot of the teams changed. A lot of people moved around everywhere. No, this, I think Loughborough is one of the few teams that more or less stayed the same. So I think I'm really excited just to compete against those top four teams to get a spot at the top four. I think that we had a lot of changes in coaching staff and also new players and stuff like that. But I don't. I, I think we shouldn't forget about all the other teams that also had that big shuffle in players as well. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting um, seeing that we're not the only team that needs to build that connections again from scratch again. So other teams are also going through that. Um, so, yeah, I'm very excited to see how all the teams are going to go. No, that's fair. And you actually answered my next question, which was a much better question about the fact that teams have uh, had a lot of upheaval and uh, you're sort of seeing it as a bit of a, not a clean slate, but uh, a, a chance at, or a big opportunity to uh, to make some changes. And as you say, you know, for, after a, a few years just missing out on the, on the top four, there's obviously uh, plenty of opportunities around, but a lot of other teams that clearly wanted to make make changes as well make improvements so the uh the netball super league season is back for 2023 and the season gets underway on the 11th of february with the season opener at nottingham's motor point arena a jam-packed day of action featuring 10 clubs across five games of netball um, and the matches are played out at home and away venues through to the finals weekend in june um so saracen's mavericks first match at the hertfordshire sports village we'll see the team face leeds rhinos on the 18th of february um, and then there's away fixtures against Loughborough Lightning and Surrey Storm in the first doubleheader of the season. Um, grand final on the 11th of June 2023, after which the attention turns to the international calendar and preparations for the Netball World Cup, which will be held in South Africa, as we've just discussed, from the 28th of July to the 6th of August. So, on the Saracens website for seasonal memberships, which are on sale, um, there's an early bird offer of £180 for adults and £135 for under-16s until the 10th of November, um, where you can guarantee your seats before the prices go up. And that is one of the most professional things I've ever done on this podcast. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. If that helps, makes you feel better. <laughs> we give you applause. <laughs> I need it. I need it. You should hear the last time we tried to do something like that. But, uh, no, everyone that's listening, um, obviously... It is an incredibly exciting game. Netball, obviously, our audience is mainly rugby fans. Very, very, very slowly uh, shifting over and uh, and discovering the world of netball. And there's plenty of perfect feedback from it as well. I enjoyed the first game that I went to, which I think was against Surrey Storm back in February last year, potentially. It was, uh, I think we actually discussed it not long after, you know, or it might have been London Pulse. I no, I think remember. it was London Pulse because our first game against Surrey was away and that was the weekend I tore my cough. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then the, we played them only at the end of the season back at home. So I think it was London Pulse. We oh, literally wow. were hit by like 12 points and we won that game with a point. <laughs> I think things went very, very wrong in the final quarter and if, if netball yeah, isn't as exciting went. as that game, then... Uh, <laughs> then everyone should be involved. But yeah, no, it was very good fun. Yeah, definitely recommend it for everyone. But Okay, well, Monique, Ian, thank you very much for uh, for joining me. Don't be a stranger again. We'll hopefully get more of of the team on the show as well, particularly once the season uh, rolls around closer. And best of luck in all of the fitness sessions and all of the uh, international prep as well. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again before the World Cup starts. That'd be uh, be fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, Thank you for your time. This is the Fezcast. Hi, this is Jess from the Fezcast to tell you about another one of my passions. I love music and I have my own radio podcast station, Taka Blow Big Radio. This is the home of great music presented by myself and my friends, be it folk, rock, indie anthems, progressive music, you name it, 
we've got it covered. So if you want to listen to some great music, tune in to us at mixcloud.com slash Tarkablopig. You're listening to the Fezcast. Well, welcome back to our final part of the Fezcast. And yeah, brilliant little chat there from uh, Matt. I I, I think Matt enjoys um, being bullied by the Afrikaans girls. I think he. Um, I think there's something we need to um, uh, watch with that one on there. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to the Mavericks uh, kicking back off and the new management, new coaching structures, few new players coming in. Be interested to see how they go this year. But we'll stay with women's sport and have a chat about firstly Saracens women, a big win, or well, I say a big win, but a good win for them against Loughborough Lightning on the weekend. And then a huge win for England Red Roses against South Africa. But first of all, um, Loughborough Lightning game, Joe, you were there, obviously. Um, it was a bit of a two and a fro, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, Saracens come out all gun blazing uh, and then Loughborough come and equalised. And it was very, very much two and fro, quite a, quite a close game. But uh, uh, again, the sun was shining. Um uh, a nice little crowd come out to to watch, and some good travelling support actually for for Lightning. To be fair as well, which was which was nice to see. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a competitive game. Um, Fee McIntosh uh, co-captained with with Cara Wardle. Um, Fee player of the match had a really strong strong game. Uh, but once again, I was really impressed with some of our our newcomers. So Grace Moore. Um, who played eight at the at the weekend? Absolute stalwart is is such a good runner with the ball. Just is goes into beast mode and just absolutely um, powers through people. She she's a she's going to be a real real asset coming into the Premier Fifteen season. Uh, and Lisa Martin come down from Scotland, uh, played at ten and was an absolute belter off the tee. Was was uh, her kicking performance was just brilliant. Um, so it, it was really nice to see some really strong performances um, from from the team. And uh, once again, May managed to get herself on the score sheet. Um, she does like to make a try or two, um, does uh, Miss Campbell. So um, it, it was a it was a really competitive game. Um, I think uh, Saris deserved the win, um, but it but it was nice to see uh, some of the youngsters um, that were both started and came on. Um, uh, uh, get some some game time and and played played really well as a as a team. Now, of course, the other thing is um, we mentioned last week and we mentioned before um, in our first part about leg breaks and ankle dislocations, which are really nasty. Vicky Fleetwood around, or is she still recuperating? Or did you get any news on her? Um, I think only from picking up from from what Saris have put out on on social media. I think she's due to to have some surgery in the coming weeks. So uh, again, I'll just echo there that we we wish her well in her recovery. But um, anyone that follows Vicky on social media will see that uh, she's been uh, back beasting it in the gym for what she can do, uh, albeit legging a, uh, in a in an air cast and and hopefully we we know her. Uh, mentality um, to um, be fit and strong, um, and I've no doubt she'll she'll take that into her rehabilitation as well. So uh, I fully expect her to um, go all guns blazing with that. Hopefully, in line with what uh, uh, um, doctors tell her to do. Um, but I, I really wish her well, and I know that everybody in the SSA wishes her well in her recovery and rehabilitation. Hope to see her back uh, at Stonex very soon. Indeed, and hopefully perhaps we can um, get to speak to her at some point as well on the first cast. It'd be lovely to um, have a chat with, with Vicky. Moving on from that, um, brilliant on the weekend as well to see England against South Africa. 75-0, England led for the first time by Marley Packer, who did... It's quite an interesting thing. Now, I'm going to say something here that my wife pointed out. when We, we got up at silly o'clock in the morning to watch it, as you do. But then again, you know, the dogs get you up anyway. And you had Sarah Hunter, 172,000 caps or whatever it is she's got for England, on the side, the hydration technician, she was calling herself, the most capped hydration technician in the world. 
And um, you, you could see the difference between um, Marley and Sarah, in particular when it comes to speaking to the referee. And I think Shaz summed it up. He said, Sarah Hunter is, you know, she's hard as nails. We know that. But she's also very polite and very well-spoken and, and kind of approachable. Marley, we know is polite. We know she's lovely. But she does look as if she's about to give you a slap at any time, particularly if she's not happy with the with the way the result or, or the. Uh, and I think there was a one point where the the girl got um, yellow carded for the high tackle with a shoulder into the chin, which I think should have been a red card. Um, and I obviously Marley thought it should have been a red card because her comment was, "Wasn't that a red card, sir?" <laughs> Um, and the only people who did think it was a red card was the ref of the TMO, I think. And it was uh, quite impressive. One. I don't know whether Sarah Hunter might have got a better result, but no, brilliant work from Marley to do the captaincy. And all the Surrey's girls, Poppy Cleal had a had a, a majorly big game as well, I thought. Uh, you know, but they all had a bottom, and they all were superb. Did you see the game, John? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've watched it back. It was just, uh, <clears throat> obviously, when you look at the scoreline, I knew what the score was before I watched it. So I knew what I was in for. And <clears throat> to be honest, was just I really wanted to watch it just basically for Marley Packer, just to see how she went as captain. And yeah, the, the one Saracens player that I was impressed by was Poppy Clear, as you, as you said, who played at eight. She was great. But it was nice to just to breeze into the knockouts now with such a, a comprehensive win, which is now what, win 28 on the bounce, is it? So yeah, looking forward to the Australia game now. Is it next? Next Sunday morning at half past one in the morning. I think that's going to be one where we'll record it and do the old likely lads thing of trying to avoid the result before uh, before uh, watching it um, when, the, when we get up for the for the dogs. Like, but um, yeah, uh, interesting. Simon Middleton, though, Joe, uh, he's been quite vociferous in his his comment. Well, I say vociferous, but there's a there's an element of of narkiness about him that he felt they got a bit of unwarranted criticism after the French game. Um, and we threw out a little bit of criticism ourselves, and particularly with the, the French try. I mean, I do think the French did one thing in that game and they scored a try from it. Uh, Simon Middleton was very frank in saying, look, we were never in trouble in that game. Okay, the score wasn't huge, but then France are a good side. But we never felt in trouble. We never felt like we needed to go up the gears much more than what we what they did do. And look, we've won. We've got through, and as Barry pointed out last week, it's not the group stages that you need to be throwing everything about. It was quite interesting, actually, as well, seeing, um, I can't remember who was doing the commentary, the punditry, um, but Maggie Alfonsi saying she wanted to see perfection, and the girl on commentary saying, no, I don't think you need to see perfection at this point. Uh, you just get through the games, you get out of the group, and then you start perfection when you play New Zealand or Canada or whatever. I mean, what, what, where were your thoughts on that, Joe? Well, I kind of, I kind of get it from from Simon Milton. He was obviously frustrated with some of the media feedback um, uh, that came out of the, of the France England game. You know, England are very familiar with France. We play them every year in the Six Nations. That's always the final battle, if you like, for for the Six Nations Cup. Um, but I, I kind of agree with him in some ways. You know, the, he, he had plenty. He's got plenty of assets, hasn't he? I mean, you only have to to look at the way he rotated the squad um, for th- this weekend. You know, plenty of people making their debuts um, for the Red Roses in a World Cup. Um, and they still came out with that scoreline. I think he was probably frustrated um, that that they got the criticism, um, even though they'd won. Um, it might not have been uh, a huge scoreline, but when you look at the results of France in the Six Nations over the last three or four years, it's only been by a maximum of sort of 12, 14 points. They, they're always close games. The French are beasts in defence. They have got a great defensive technique um, and they're probably one of the few teams when when you look at England's roses and um, the way that they play um, that can, in the Six Nations, how to help stop England from scoring. And they're one of the few teams that, that have, have learned that. Now, if, I, if I'm Australia, New Zealand and 
and others, I'm following what France have done because, you know, France clearly have, have found a bit of a formula to stop England from going over this try line 14, 15 times in a game. Um, so I, I can understand Simon Middleton's frustration on that, to be perfectly honest, because France are a good team and they always come good at a, at a major tournament. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't matter their their results. Um, unfortunately, they've had some some serious injury losses. Sansus, who's who is is absolutely brilliant at scrum off, um, and I don't know whether their number eight Roman Manger will come back. Uh, she had a really bad concussion in the in the previous in the game as well. So, um, or, I think it'll be it'll be disappointing for Simon that he's had that that feedback from the media. Um, but you know, when you look at the the positive side of what came out of of this game. Uh, you know, the Saris players particularly, you've mentioned Marley there, captain in the team for the first time. She'd have been absolutely over the moon for that. Um, I thought she did a really, really good job. Um, I don't necessarily think that um, uh, her engagement with, with the ref was was positive or negative. I th- think she did really, really well. Um, I did like the question of was it a red card, but I actually thought the ref rationalised it quite quite well, both um, with the discussions with the TMO and and with Marley afterwards, and she took it and and you know kind of didn't push the boat. It's very easy in a in a situation like that to turn around and go have a have an argument because we know that Marley can be a bit fiery. But I thought she handled herself really really well. You know, Bots played well, Poppy played well, Zoe was all right off the tee. Probably a little bit disappointed from her own professional high standards, but. Um, it was great to see again uh, Jess Breach and uh, Sarah McKenna um, get their get their run outs in the in their World Cup. So, um, and I have to do a big shout out for uh, Rosie Gallagher because although she's um, overplaying with Quinns now, she is Sarah's family and she was absolutely superb. And uh, for me, she was uh, player of the match. It was close between her and Tati Alaherd, but she was absolutely fantastic. And I was really pleased to see her cross the whitewash three times. Well, I think it's given that Simon Middleton an interesting um, quandary going into the quarterfinal because I do think a few players that perhaps weren't first first names on the team sheet have stuck their hands in the air. Tatiana Heard, Rosie Galligan, for certain, for two, um, really have ups there. Given Simon Middleton a nice headache to have as to who he who he leaves out. Uh, for the Australia game. And also, I do think that there's an element that Simon Richardson's happy that he got some criticism because it does foster that them against us kind of attitude that a lot of teams will feed off of. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, it's good that you can go in there and say, now you can go out and prove everybody wrong, which is great. Yeah. I think... There's lots of rugby we've talked about. There's lots of rugby that's going going on and whatever. We are going to be looking forward to Sail Sharks on the weekends. Are you going to the Stonex, John? I am. <clears throat> I am indeed, yeah. Can't wait to get back. Excellent. And Joe, are you making your way to any rugby over the weekends? Oh, this is a very interesting question. So, um, Saracen's scheduled play wasps in the cup but their cup game was cancelled against their opponents this weekend so that will be um a interesting one to see if that game goes ahead i'm not preempting the fact that it will do or not but they are due to play wasps away at twyford avenue um but i suspect that that might also be a postponement but we shall wait and see with bated breath um other than that i shall be um bleary-eyed um over the weekend both saturday and sunday morning watching those quarterfinals um, and and hoping to to get probably a little bit of a nana nap in the afternoon to recover. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, Idris, you mentioned wasps there. I, I'm just going to uh, say one thing as well. I have a little rant at wasps where the statements come out this week that uh, they're a bit annoyed that the players that have uh, been made redundant by wasps through wasps own fault through their own mismanagement are being offered derisory uh, contracts by other clubs. But, um, excuse me, there's a salary cap. I mean, how the hell do they expect people to be, you know, and you look at some clubs that are taking players on, you think, how are they going to be under the salary cap? But, yeah, that's just me having a quick run. Well, thank you ever so much for your time to, to today, Joe and John. Um, and I'll say goodbye from the Free Jays. We could be a soul band, couldn't we, from Detroit or something? The Free Jays, like the OJs. Uh. I don't think any of us can 
Jez. So um, I, I think that's probably a, a no for, from us for any kind of band. But maybe yeah, I heard you heard by singing earlier on with my awful version of uh, of Come On Eileen. I think, yeah, we wouldn't be successful. But uh, no, thanks for your time, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Our next show will be going out on Wednesday, the uh, 2nd of November. Blimey, we're properly into November now. And uh, fireworks and God knows what else coming up. So, but yeah, thanks, John. Thanks, Joe. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. Um, this has been the Fezcast, and we'll speak to you again in the near future. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> this is the Fezcast. Fezcast.